it, it holds up just as good now as it ever has, and it feels so current still. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to believe that it's 10 years old already, to yeah. be honest, because of how great it looks. And uh, you could put this right along with a hell or high water, and yeah. it's, um, it would be in the same conversation. It, it, this This movie could win Best Picture this year if it came out i think it could beat la la land like it's it, that kind of movie oh, and it, yeah. yeah it could it could win this could win best picture almost in here i think this is the best film of the of the decade i think oh, this wow. is a masterpiece 100 percent. better than the dark knight yeah i think dark knight is the i said this on our podcast last week when we talked about a couple weeks ago, a couple yeah. weeks ago when we talked about the the dark knight trilogy I think The Dark Knight is the movie of... If you ask somebody, like, what's the movie you think of from 2000 to 2010? It's The Dark Knight. If you ask me what is the best movie of, of that decade, yeah, it's, it's No true. Country for Old Men, and I don't think it's... I would say that. My, I, love my, I love Michael Clayton, too. Yeah. Those are my those are my one, too. Same year, right? This is 2000, yeah. the, 2007 was such a great yeah. year um, for film, because even, like... There will be blood that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't even you don't even think about. I don't. I don't personally. I don't even think about that one um, because there's so many other solid films from this year that that came up on it. But yeah, I can't. I think this could win Best Picture pretty much any year that it comes out, and uh, it's an incredible, incredible. Yeah, the piece Best of Pictures were nominees were No Country for Old Men. There will be blood. Was the same year? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Atonement. Yeah. There will be blood. Juno and Michael Clayton. Man, that's incredible. That's a pretty and End of the Wild. That I, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite movies too. That's an incredible, incredible yeah. group. Yep. That's um. I want. I wonder like there if that's that was back when they only had the five nominees. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many. There's some other great movies that year too that definitely would probably, um, you know, have made it. Obviously, gosh, best actors: Tommy Lee for In the Valley of. Ela or Ela, whatever. Yeah. Vigo for Eastern Tommy Provinces. Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. That's no, Tommy Jones. Pardon me. Vigo nice. Mortensen. <laughs> and then <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis for There Will Be Blood. Clooney for Michael Clayton. And then, uh, and then Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd. Ugh, Why whoops. was he nominated we missed on that for that? One. Gosh, that movie sucks. And Josh Brolin wasn't nominated. Yeah. That's a joke. I, was I, it a something like? Depp won the Golden Globe. He for like a musical or something, that, and yeah. so that was kind of the yeah, maybe. I, I remember with this, the conflict was who is the lead and who is not. And I think that ultimately led to both Brolin and Tommy Lee Jones getting left out of the nomination process and stuff because um, you could make a you could make a really strong argument that Tommy Lee Jones is the, the protagonist of this. this movie. He got nominated just for a different movie, which right. is so weird. Which is odd. Big year for Tommy yeah. Lee Jones and for Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every year is a big year for Tommy Lee. <laughs> Every year that he's alive, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's some late '90s humor for you guys. Just find that, that was, one out on your own. That was that was like a good morning show. I wish I had a good drop. Yeah, that right was now. a that was a layered joke. That was four <laughs> different layers to the Tommy Lee Tommy Lee Jones crossover, and then you oh, bring yeah. in the puns and okay. puns for this. Just copyright Kent Garrison on that quote <laughs> when it goes down in history. All right. So this one is always interesting in the, the fact that it's so many different genres, really, on top of each other. It's a it's a horror movie, like I said. It's a comedy, a dark comedy. It's a Western. It's kind of film noir in a way. Um, and I think uh, I, I watched the Blu-ray kind of special features. They were, I think they were talking to Tommy Lee Jones or something. And he loved the fact that it wasn't set in its tone or anything. It's yeah. kind of, 
it's, it has one tone, but it's all these different styles. And he said, that's just, that's a Coen brothers movie. That's, mm-hmm. that's the genre is Coen, you know, yeah. uh, they, it's amazing how they took Cormac McCarthy and made it into the, this, you know, yeah. kind of and made, made it, it, made it their own. And or, that's yeah. where all the darkness comes from. I think it's right. Cormac McCarthy, right? And so they all <laughs> yeah. take this huge amount of darkness and bring their kind of sensibility to it. And it turns out it's a wonderful mix. Mm-hmm. I love it. The, how simple the plot is. Too. Yeah. It's just a guy yeah. that finds a drug deal gone wrong, and he's kind of from the area, so he knows about the uh, happening, so he knows, oh, I found dead bodies, there must right. be money somewhere, you know, if he finds all the drugs, there had to have been a transaction, you know, so mm-hmm. he that- finds the money, and it's kind of him trying to do what's best for his family and everything at the same time, you know, like, he need, they need the money, and he knows how, how it's... Uh, could impact the rest of his life and his wife. They could be set, you know, but yeah. he also knows the danger behind it. So he's kind of willing to take that risk. Yeah. Watching it a second or a third or fifth time, you really see, I mean, he knows, I think from the first second that he tracks, he starts tracking the money. He knows he's making a huge mistake, but he's still going to do it. Cause it's like, you know, somebody is like watching him somewhere with a sniper. Yeah, I mean, rifle, like as soon know? as he picks up the briefcase, you see it on his face that he recognizes it's. I don't to me. He, I don't think it's. This, that this is like. This, is this a trick? Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's that he recognizes that this is dangerous. I think having watched it this time, this last time, I feel like you can see on his face he knows this is ultimately going to lead to his death. Like that, uh-huh. he, but he's still going to go and try it because it's two million dollars and it's nineteen eighty and that's that's an insane amount of money now and more then and so it, that is a. That stuff hits you. It hit me harder this last viewing because it's been probably five or six years since I've watched the movie, and uh, and really, really trying to catch what the characters are saying non-verbally and um, the reactions and stuff like that has it, man, it's a super demon. That's what's great. This is a, kind of a hallmark of the Coen Brothers. It's a very simple movie, and they just kind of let the characters bring the complexity to it, and that is. Brilliant, and this is kind of the the culmination. Maybe the the culmination of all their work in a lot of ways. It's just not flashy in right. almost any sense of the word, other than maybe the special effects used for the violence. Um, but that's the kind of a guerrilla style aspect of the way they shoot them is what I love about the Coens. The fact that any other than like Hill Caesar or something that's just kind of a big production, mm-hmm. they they always have this kind of real kind of documentary element to their movies. I love that the fact that the, he did a kind of a ransom style movie before in Lebowski and it's about mm-hmm. the uh where's the money Lebowski and all that and the, with the briefcase and the exchange and all that and, and it's Fargo kind of a, too, yeah. And Fargo and it's kind of this different take on the same kind of subject matter that they've yeah. already covered. Like, yeah, well, you I mean, you take that even further. Blood Simple is their first mm-hmm. movie and that there's a lot of parallels to that and even Raising Arizona, there's a lot of that similar. It's not money, it's a baby, but you know, you're it's the same kind of Goose concept chase. and they they do it, they do that same thing. All those movies are I think if you know the Coen Brothers, you're going to say, "Oh, that's a you recognize that it, like, when you see a Coen Brothers movie, you recognize that it's a Coen Brothers movie just by their because they have this uniqueness that um, sets them apart from everybody else. But all those movies are completely different in tone and style and setting and all that. I mean, Raising Arizona is a a full-on comedy, and it has a lot of similarities to what happens in No Country for Old Men, which is super dark and um, 
kind of depressing in some in some elements it's it's interesting the way they're able to do that and put that together yeah absolutely it's um it's crazy to say okay just make the same movie four times but make it completely different each time Mm -hmm. and have them all be Mm -hmm. best picture quality you know like that's not easy to do i think uh they do it flawlessly though um as far as the um cinematography i mean roger deakins holy holy moly yeah, you know, like Gosh. that'll that'll be kind of the biggest shame in all of it is that uh, this wasn't the this didn't get him the Oscar. Neither did Skyfall or whatever. That's but ridiculous. They need to work together all the time, the Coens and uh, mm-hmm. and Deacons. But as far as the character of Llewellyn, um, he talks about the Coens talked about the fact that how important it was to get the casting right for that because it has to be somebody that you could believe lived in that setting at that time and that has the kind of street knowledge that he has of not only being, you know, a farmer in the, in West Texas, but also being a military veteran of mm-hmm. Vietnam and have that kind of believability to it. Like how, how much of a miscast that could have been. Right. Could have really derailed everything. Yeah. Yeah. And in the scene, the first scene where he kind of discovers the money and it's no dialogue and mm-hmm. it's just him walking around and mm. no music or anything. And it's just like, the action is telling the story. Yeah. I mean, that's some of the best filmmaking, but it's also some of the hardest acting. It's to do, so it? hard to act in silence the way that Brolin does in this movie, like to carry a film and to convey everything that you need to convey with the bare minimum of words, you know, uh, that's quite, it's an incredible achievement. Brolin's great. He's great. in it. this is kind of the, re, the re, beginning re, of his resurgence. resurgence. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, I, I mean, they can make anybody, good though that a good director can make it sure, sure. I, be- I totally after doing things with talent and of different you know levels and things so you it's totally about the edit and the director of whether it's a good or, or bad if there are bad performances and it's good actors it's not like well they were bad in that movie it's yeah. no the director sucks like that's it you know yeah I mean? yeah uh, more often than not for sure more often and that's what sucks about movies uh, being an actor is because you can nail it yeah. but if the director doesn't show you what you actually did you, yeah. you you get this huge, bad reputation for being a bad actor mm-hmm. you know like that's especially that's in, especially in film work yeah because they might use the 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 if you do the same take 30 times you maybe nail it five and they use another five and the director has to have the ability to pick the right take and all that um it's just uh it's amazing how some directors work so well with actors and some like paul thomas anderson's probably one of the best at yeah just working with an actor you mm-hmm. know and uh it is crazy that the, this and There Will Be Blood came out in the same year because they're kind of that new age Western. Yeah. Um, yeah. One is set, obviously, a lot earlier, but it's definitely... Um, people probably got these movies confused with each other that year. Sure. I think, in fact, yes. they know that... Wait, was There Will Be Blood the one with yeah. the Coens did or was it the Because other that one, seems you know? like a Cohen title, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. There was no blood and There Will Be Blood. That's There was to some extent, but it's definitely... This is definitely the more violent of yeah, the two. Yeah, this is way more violent. Uh, so we come to Javier Bardem, man, and holy crap, that obviously could have been a miscast as well. Yeah, yeah, they went, they wanted him, they went to him, and if I remember this correctly, they they brought him the script and and said, well, you know, this is what we're doing, and he said, um, I I I speak horrible English, I can't drive, and I like you don't need I talk. hate violence, so I don't know why. And they said, yeah, exactly, that's why we want you for this part. Like, this character is such a weird dude. Like, we can't just have 
Jake Gyllenhaal go out there and <laughs> we've got to have, well. got to have, uh, got to have Bardem. He's incredible, man. Like it's a, I think it's a, Bardem had been doing, had been in the business for a long time and you can recognize him from a lot of stuff, but this is a star making turn for him and he certainly lives up to the, the pressure that is put on him to, to kind of carry the load in a lot of ways. This the opening scene of him where he's handcuffed and he strangles the cop in the yeah, handcuffs. Brutal. I think this Cohen said we want this to be the most brutal murder in cinematic history. <laughs> and it might be. Yeah. Where you're just slitting the guy's throat with handcuffs yeah. and at the same yeah. time he's cutting his own wrists. And then you see that t- that look on Bardem's face of just possession mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like almost like it's another like a demonic thing happening, you know, with him and he's just at a place where you have to be to murder somebody. Yeah, it, he's his character is so interesting to me because we've seen before. We've seen uh, villains that have a moral streak. You know that there's like a sense of right to what they're doing, or maybe it's vengeance, but it it seems morally right to them. And then we've seen plenty of villains that are uh, just psychopaths, and he really straddles the line between those two worlds. Like he. I think he comes after some of the people he comes after because um, because it's it's his job and it's a principled matter for him and he does some because it's a moral thing but then he's also like flipping a coin with a right. random gas station guy and it's all about he, fate with yeah, him it's become, all about yes, if I kill you yes. right now if this lands on tails right. you meant to die right it's yeah. such a weird he sees himself as like an yeah agent so of weird fate. It, yeah. it's and perfect brilliant odd um but it, it's a I, to me it's a whole unique kind of villain at, at least well that and two face and two face obviously the tommy lee jones version mm-hmm. um, that's the crossover <laughs> so it's the a better weird, version it's a weird mix of uh of two different villainous scene, character by the way, tropes we were we got it on in the background uh-huh. on the screen and the scene where he walks in the gas station flips the coin for the first time really is yep. playing and it's so uh it's so believable in the fact that if you're from this area mm-hmm. or from Texas at all, like these kind of little gas stations are everywhere on yeah. when you're driving out to El Paso and it's just, you sure stuff like this goes on with the drug trade and all that. <laughs> we're going to fix that guys though with the wall. So don't yeah, worry. We're good. Yeah. People aren't going to be, yeah. anymore. but it's a, uh, it's so believable in that aspect, but his character in himself is just kind of a fish out of water. Oh yeah. And the fact yeah. that, you know, he doesn't belong here. Or he's mm-hmm. from somewhere else. You don't really never know where, but uh, just the way he kind of carries himself and the way he dresses and everything is definitely different. And mm-hmm. he, it's something kind of off-putting about yeah. him. And that haircut, too. It's an odd look. And that just gives... It's just so creepy. It's weird to have a, a, a hardcore <laughs> a bowl cut like that almost with the long bangs and have that be creepy and intimidating yeah. somehow. Like, well, I would say he and Jonathan Taylor Thomas both equally... <laughs> Scary. Yeah, I was always terrified of home improvement yeah. <laughs> uh, during those Haunting. days. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and 
garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Yeah. Haunting. <laughs> From the beginning of the movie until they kind of cross paths for the first time, um, not on screen, but kind of in the plot wise, when Sugar and uh, Llewellyn Moss cross paths, mm-hmm. that first 40 to 50 minutes is some of the most well paced. Oh, yeah. Of, like you yeah. look up and you're just like, wow, it's already been an hour and I'm just totally immersed. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like anticipating these guys coming at each other eventually and they were kind of running away yeah. from each other and then. Pulling up the rear is Tommy Lee Jones trying to figure both of them out at, at the same time, or um, the Harrelson character too, who's only in this for like one or two scenes. Mm-hmm. He's only in it for two, actually. One where they're kind of introducing who Shiger was, and then another where he's talking to him mm-hmm. uh, to Shiger at the end. Um, but that's also just his point is just I'm going to just tell you how horrible this guy is. Like this guy doesn't care about you. He's just going to kill you to kill you. He'll. He'll, you can get him off, you can give him the money back, and then he's still going to come. Right. You know, like, that's just who he is. Like, he, he's just an inherently dark person. Yeah. yeah. So, it's just the pacing from the opening scene of him strangling the guy with the handcuffs. By the way, don't ever handcuff somebody with their arms in front of them, because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And second of all, that's some bad police work. Right. And second of all, uh, just the pacing to the kind of climax scene, in my opinion, at the motel, when... um or at the first motel that uh, Llewellyn kind of tries to hide out at. Right. And then Shigur drives by with the tracker and that, that whole, that's some of the, maybe the best sequence in, of the decade. Like if it's you're incredible. talking about uh, the best kind of, it, speaking of nothing said, you know, right. there's nothing ever said between that. They're cutting from the hotel to the car and then back, yeah. except the little beeping of the thing, which is just a genius. I don't know if that's in the Cormac McCarthy. I know there's a tracker, but I don't know about the, mm. the beeping, you know, that's just sure a genius either. way to, they don't by film to just you know as he is driving by and then it starts beeping and then when he puts it in reverse and then starts driving backwards and starts getting like that's so, so such cool. a cool little moment you they know? don't mess around they don't waste a minute in any movie and i think this is their longest movie and it's like 122 minutes like it's barely over two hours and it's because they're they're just like we're here to tell this story and i'm not 
we're not going to add one. I mean, I like a long movie. I'm great with yeah. the Chris Nolan movies and stuff. Um, as long as the story dictates that it'd be that long, then I'm fine with that. But they are the, kind of the masters of of uh, telling a story in a very efficient timeline, and, and the pacing can't place directly into that. Richard, any thoughts overarching on this movie or? Uh, you know, we've it's it's such a masterpiece. I'm I'm not one. Brian likes westerns more than I do, at least modern mm. stuff. Uh, and I tend I'm like part of the culture that tunes them out. But the, it, gosh, if this isn't just a mesmerizing mesmerizing movie, um, and you know, also to to your point, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is incredible in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and like he doesn't even we he's, don't even get to him for the first hour. Honestly, yeah, I think he's the best part. I think he's yeah. the best. The Shigur and Bardem's work is incredible, and he got the Oscar. He deserves it. It's great. Ten years on, for me, and there were people that said this at the time, but uh, Tommy Lee Jones is the is the best performance in the movie, and it's it might not, it's not showy. No. Um, it, in some ways, it may just be Tommy Lee Jones being old man Tommy Lee Jones, but he's so great in the movie. He said he'd played, obviously he's played cops before, but this was kind of the perfect use of his kind of typecasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. It's like kind of the first person you think of, but there's only, only one. Like Jeff Bridges might have been the only yeah. other choice yeah. for that. And he kind of did it in right. Hell or High Water. His, version his Texas Ranger, yeah. yeah. So that's always cool to see um, somebody play a supporting role but um have to have multiple kind of best supporting actor t- style performances yeah. in here is is great um yeah. and it's kind of what this needed i don't understand Shiger's like motivation for most of this uh does he leave the money behind just so he can go chase somebody to kill him like if you kind of seems because yeah, that's why would the money theory. be left behind after if you're murdering all those people <laughs> and all that stuff happens and this big shootout happens why would you leave the, the briefcase? Well, I don't like think that, he was the one that murdered all those people. I think yeah, he's, the drug deal he's, went wrong. Yeah, the, the drug deal went sideways. He sent in to clean up the mess. Right. Yeah. But why was the money ever left behind? That's what I don't understand. Well, in I think the guy, that guy that died on the hill that Brolin comes up on with yeah. the money, mm-hmm. I think that guy was basically the, the, the he was the last man standing yeah. from whatever this yeah. shootout. This is a drug deal gone sideways, oh, okay. and he is he tried to escape. Oh, okay. He, he tried to. Shot. He tried to. No, he might have been shot. Yeah, and somebody thought he was dead, and he only made it that far. Right, I think he died. was. The, I think okay. he killed. That makes more sense. He, he crawled off with the money. I always feel like died somewhere else. Maybe because Shigur is so possessed that That's I an feel like thought, but that yeah. Yeah. this was all just a trap and you know, mm-hmm. a reason. I don't know, but if you're um, Brolin, why did you not check the thing for? I guess I don't know if trackers were that common, yeah, but wouldn't you check it for bugs or like yeah, you know, like whatever their ink pouches or whatever? Wouldn't you do that immediately? Yeah. I think he maybe or a bomb. Nineteen eighty, probably not thinking electronics and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And so if you're Shiger or whoever placed the tracker, why would you place it in the very top bills like he does? He like he pulls the first <laughs> yeah. stack of bills right off the middle, and the tracker's right yeah. in there. What's so funny to me with that though is that that would have been so much more <laughs> cinematic if he's like pulling the money yeah. out and like yeah. digging for the tracker, and he finds it at the bottom, and he's like so frustrated rather than just. I was here the whole time. I'm such an idiot. I love that that tracker is buried in a stack of ones. Like everything in that briefcase is hundreds. And then that one stack, they're like, we're not going to, we're not, this is $2 million, but we darn sure aren't going to jack up a thousand bucks with this by cutting a hole in it and putting the tracker. And that's such a cool thought to me. I don't know. It's just very authentic. Yeah. Um, I, 
mentioned that I really like the motel sequence, mm-hmm. and I do. I think it's so, I mean, it's so smart. But I never understood why Brolin puts the money in the vent, first of all, to hide it. I understand that. But why does he go to the opposite room and try to pull it out the other end? Why couldn't he have just gotten it out from where he originally put it and left the motel? Because he knew, when he comes up, to, when he pulls up to the hotel, he knows, that, he can tell that he knows, there's something that happens, now I've forgotten what it was, but when he's driving up in the taxi, he knows that there's somebody already in the room. And so he has to get the room behind it to get it. Because remember when Shigur busts into the, the hotel, oh, he comes so, in and pops that dude. So there's two groups tracking him the oh, whole time. Oh, I got you. So yeah. basically he reserved the room. Yep. And when he comes back to the hotel, somebody's in the room, yes. so he has to try to pull it out. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, so the, and then the the comes thing, in and kills them all. Yeah, That's right. The whole okay. thing is, so both both sides of this drug deal gone bad are tracking him. The the, the Mexican side and the whatever, gotcha, yeah. whoever's bringing it in, are both trying to track him down and get the, you know and find the money. That explains why they all have machine guns when, yes. when Shigeru yes. busts in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never understood, like, if you're trying to... Get out of there! Why don't you just right. grab the briefcase and leave? You know, if I think you, if you know somebody right. knows you're there. I you think know? I missed that the first time I saw it, and this last time I was like, okay, now I, I because it goes to all the links happening. to get the poles yeah. and the hangers and all the put the device mm-hmm. together. Why couldn't he have just in all that time? He could have just take gotten the briefcase out right. of the vent. You know, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Uh, so the people that are tracked, they don't know where it is either, but they know it's there. So we're just going to post up in this room until yes, the guy comes back. That Basically, yeah. Owns yeah. the brief that or that took it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, it makes more sense. But um, it's very compelling, nonetheless. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Horrifying when he comes in too. with the silenced oh, shotgun. Such a cool weapon, man. It's like a custom thing. Like, those yeah. don't exist. Yeah, like, they had to <laughs> actually, like, a suppressed shotgun. It's yeah. terrifying, though. And speaking of weapons, the Gosh. cattle prod killer thing is terrifying, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when you add it to that guy carrying it yeah, around, like just the, lurking, yeah, and, and lurching, and, oxygen yeah. tank or whatever. Yeah, it's so CO2, creepy. He's dragging yeah. it, you yeah. know, Gosh. and it's got puts it up to your head, and you know he kills random person just to steal his car with yeah. it. You yeah. know, he could have just been like, "Sir, step out of the car. Right. Give me your keys. I'm stealing your car." Yeah. Instead, yeah. he just kills the guy with the thing. Yeah. Fate and the uh, mm-hmm. reveal, not the reveal, but uh, the discovery of Tommy Lee Jones to figure out what that weapon is too, because he's going around all these crime scenes he's seeing the lock knocked out and he doesn't know how it's done he thinks it's a gun you know and then they think that are guns on all these victims and he says what do you think the guy went in there with a pocket knife and carved out the bullet after right, he shot him right. like what do you mean there was no bullet yeah. in the entry wound or whatever mm-hmm. and he actually mentions to Llewellyn's wife about that device you know and uh He's using it in some kind of metaphys- metaphorical stance, you know, mm-hmm. like cows don't even know what hit him. You know, you never know when you're going to die because it's over before you even know it. it it's bad, yeah. you know. And she's like, why are you telling me this? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. My mind wanders. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. he says. I don't know. My mind wanders. And then it's not till later that they figure out that that's what he was using. But um, he knew it the whole time. He just never made right. the connection. Right, couldn't put it together. Yeah. Couldn't put it together that somebody would have kind of this different version of it. But it's so... It's so cool to see it all come together, but it never stops because maybe another climactic scene is where Shigur injures himself, has to go to the pharmacy to fix himself, and then blows up the car as a distraction, walks in, takes everything, leaves, and then performs the surgery on Mm -hmm. himself in the hotel room, which is awful too. And then 
the same time Josh Brolin's all shot up and he's yeah. trying to get over the border and all this stuff. Uh, it's really, really well done. Yeah, part of their pacing with the Coens and for this story is like there's no both of those characters, Tommy Lee Jones too, but especially Brolin and uh, and Bardem are so their characters are so resolute in what needs to happen next. It's, well, I got shot. Well, I'm going to have to figure out how to do surgery on myself, so I'm going to blow up a car, go into this pharmacy, take the stuff I need, and do the surgery. And there's no there's no questioning that. There's no debating that. There's no formulating a plan or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just, I show up, I blow up the car, I go in. And Brolin, the same way, it's like, well, I guess I'm going to Mexico now, and I'm going it, to... It's, it's a... There's no... I, I love that. I love that there's not a second wasted on screen or or any time in the minds of these characters where they're not moving, you know, and they're not acting. It's such a cool I think that's what leads to, you know, such an efficient, well-paced movie. I think so too. Richard any thoughts on the pacing? It no, some said earlier, I mean, it doesn't even really get going for an hour in and you're still mm-hmm. totally locked in. Um and I the think the fact that they never Share screen time either. Yeah, uh, they never have a scene together. Yeah, Bardem and uh, and Brolin or yeah. Tommy Lee Jones too. Mm-hmm. All three of them are chasing each other mm-hmm. somewhere, and it never never really ends like you expect, right? No, the, yeah. And this one definitely is no exception. The fact that I guess uh, it, you know he's following Llewellyn the whole time, but he never really gets his revenge on him or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't get the moment. He doesn't get to kill him. Yeah. You know? What do y'all think about that? What do you think about Brolin dying off screen, essentially, in his character? I'm fine with it. I didn't expect him to be the first one to die out of the three. Yeah. I didn't expect Tommy Lee Jones to be the last 20 minutes of the movie, you know, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be one of the the two main protagonists or antagonists or however you want to look at it um, at first, but... I know a lot of people are... That's a Cohen thing to do. Right. I know a lot of people were had said at the time that he that he died off screen. They felt like it was unsatisfying, and I always felt you like... You don't want to see him die that Well, early, I, you don't, but you, you do... This movie kind of... It puts you in a spot where, because the Coens are who they are, you're leading up to this big confrontation that never comes, and I think people found that off-putting or, or unsatisfying in some way. And I always felt like that's, it's the perfect fit for that movie because it's, um, it's not about, it's not about the confrontation. It's not about the money. It's about fate. And it's about, um, <sighs> there's more to it than this is not a cops and robber movie, right? Like no. this is not, um, this guy's coming out to, to we're going to have the showdown right. and all that sort of stuff. That's not what the movie's about. And so having him die off screen when he knows he's the entire movie, he knows he is heading to his own death, I think is, is very fitting and very coney in almost a funny way. Like it's, it's right. kind of darkly humorous that he gets gunned down off screen and we don't, you know, we don't see any of it. It's also kind of interesting how, I guess in West Texas at this time, this stuff happened all the time because Tommy Lee Jones pulls over the guy with carrying the dead bodies away from the crime scene. <laughs> right. Just like, just get out of here. Yeah. Like, just do a better job. Right. Like they they don't even, that stuff's just all normal society. Like these kinds of <laughs> yeah. things. Um, that's just kind of how messed up it is, yeah. I guess, because it's so shocking to us, but it's just so normal to these people that do this line of work. And, um, I like that about it too. Yeah, I do. 
Garrett Dillahunt, who plays the deputy, yeah. uh, is great. And that's that's the most to me, that's the most Coheny character in the movie. Oh, like sure. he sort of represents their sensibility totally. within that. Totally. And it's hilarious. That guy's great too. He's super underrated and underutilized in a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff, but he's he's fantastic. He's on the Mindy project, isn't he? Maybe oh, he was in that, that he show. was in Raising Hope for when that okay. was running and that he yeah. was great in that. That show wasn't all that good, but he was great. Um He's he's one of those guys that you feel like he's on Deadwood. I don't know yeah. if y'all ever saw Deadwood. And he was justified. Yeah, he was Ty Walker, wasn't he? <laughs> Ty Walker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's great. Um, and and I kind I'm waiting for the day when somebody picks him up to be the lead in an FX show or something like sure. that, and and watch what he can Fargo. do. Fargo, very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, he'd be great in that universe. He's he's very much more rangy, I think, than he gets uh, than he gets credit for. There, um, the most Coheny stuff to me is the kind of the random, like the, the receptionist characters uh-huh. and the guy at the gas station and his wife that, too. Yeah, yeah. and th- mm-hmm. that kind of brings the dark humor into yeah. it. Yeah, but it's got two double beds. <laughs> she just can't yeah. fathom why anyone would. Yeah. Why would you not want the room next to yours? It's open, you know. Yeah, and I love that. So he hides it in the vent, which is cool. But I love Bardem coming in in the room and like inspecting the room. Yeah. And that little moment when he walks into the closet and like puts his hands on the wall, like trying to test the the width of the wall to see if he could have been hidden in the walls. Right. You know. Yeah. And then he comes out. He walks out and then he walks back in. Like it's got to be in there. Right. Like, like this yeah. thing is tracking it. You know, yeah. it's got to be in there somewhere. And that's when he finds the vent and sees the dust, like the little track in the dust. That shot yeah. down the vent with the rack focus and everything. It's so. And kind of iconic, but yeah. so genius too. Yeah. Um, Deacons, man, love it. It's the best. Um, so there's, there's, it's kind of this uh, MacGyver too, you know, <laughs> he's building random things, you know, they're breaking into places to get suturing kits and he's making a peroxide bottle and mixing it with this solution. Like it's, it's, it's kind of smart in that way too. It's, they're kind of finding ways to get themselves out of, trouble all the time yes. and then when he when he breaks his arm and he gets the kid to give him the shirt yeah. bardem breaks his arm he gets get kid to give him his shirt and all that um that's fun too all right i guess the uh the kind of james bond macgyver kind of type mm-hmm. stuff um okay any other overarching thoughts on this this one this one what what would you say is the moral of the story is this kind of fate happens and there's nothing you can do to avoid it and yeah, bad people yeah. exist. I mean, yeah, there's not. It kind me, of ends abruptly. What do we? It feel does. About that? I love the ending. I don't know about you guys, but um, it, to me, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of skill and a lot of trust from the audience, or kind of built up between director and audience to to do the kind of ambiguous ending or the like sudden ending like that, like Manchester by the Sea last right. year. I, I know in my theater most of the people there were really angry. Um, that kind of ending doesn't go over well for a lot of people. And I can be in that boat. Like it, it can, it can take me off a little bit if it's not the right fit for the movie, but I think it is the right fit in this one. I love it. I love that. It just ends on Tommy Lee Jones sort of summarizing what has happened, but also just kind of, rambling on yeah. like an old man and it and that also serves to kind of wrap up the whole thing and kind of put totally. you in the right spot i love it i think it's a perfect fit i think it's kind of there there was no ending to this uh-huh 
<laughs> you know, there was no A, happy ending, or B, bad yeah. ending. It just ends, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just the story stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that, too. Um, okay. Well, this one is worthy of more conversation, and this one's just kind of go fun to go back and reflect on. It's maybe the best. I think I like it more every single time I rewatch it. Uh-huh. It's not like... It's, it's not like maybe like a movie about. like The Prestige so where yeah. once you know a lot of stuff, it changes your perspective. This one is fresh every time, mm-hmm. and it really is um, maybe holds up better than any Best Picture winner I can think of. Yeah, yeah. it's up there. It's – goodness. It's incredible. You know what is what we haven't talked about that I love? I This was – so this movie came out in 2007, obviously. Um, I had kind of – personally, I had kind of dabbled in um, – reviews and critical stuff and a lot of heroin obviously um (laughs) yeah worked as a hitman for i mean small time stuff (laughs) yeah yeah um but a little bit of like the faith though (laughs) yeah there's a bridge there's a lebowski bridge yeah they have it in this movie when he drives over and shoots the bird that's kind of like the lebowski spot but it's fun um let's go bowling dude like that moment But I kind of messed around a little bit with screenwriting and, and, you know, novel writing and stuff like this. But film had kind of become a focus for me, but not, I don't know, like I needed some kind of catalyst, I guess, to like really, I saw this movie and it was, it, it kind of changed the way I looked at film for a long time. It was a, so there's a little bit of sentimentality attached to this one for me, but just like I had critically analyzed plenty of movies in the past um, and really, you know, really try to think about what they're about. As much as I can, I right. like to just be entertained by a movie. But this one I saw and I was like, it really altered. I'm, I, this might have been the first movie that I ever wrote a full review for yeah. and spent days like trying to figure out exactly what I was trying to say and what it meant. So without this sort of movie, we wouldn't have your sexist takes on Ghostbusters. Exactly, exactly. I would just be... Um, a, a chemist, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a chemist. <laughs> Sorry to our chemist. Yeah, You'd be back in the lab, <laughs> right? Yeah, just mixing chemicals. <laughs> That's what they uh, do, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Doing algorithms with my math. Uh, no. So one of the things that set this apart for me as a very, very, very amateur critic at the time was I was mesmerized by the score because the score is like 16 minutes of the entire movie and Mm -hmm. everything else is the wind blowing across the prairie and stuff like that and i i think it is i think it is the perfect way to use setting and environment to allow that to like kind of take over the movie you don't need for this movie, you didn't need a you know a, a pulse pounding score. You don't need anything driving the audience or the viewer towards a certain feeling or an understanding or anything like that. You just need to be immersed in what's happening. And they, gosh, it to me is a is it's brilliant in the way that they they used uh, used that that score to set the tone or to add to the tone. I guess. Great point. That's that's a great point. I think it has a lot of nostalgia involved too with it um this one definitely kind of restores your faith in cinema oh yeah great 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 movie um okay or where where can we um get a graded this is an a plus for me yeah yeah same this is the best movie made by fargo is my favorite Mm -hmm. this might be the technically the best um oh yeah but i think fargo just has a more of a nostalgia sure aspect to it 
Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I would say probably Raising Arizona is probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie, but this really? is... Really? Yeah. That's a hot take. Yeah, I know. I know. Lebowski's mine. Uh, see, that's... Everyone's love, got their favorite. I love that. That's cool. Uh, but this is the best movie. To me, like yeah, I said at the I beginning, this is a masterpiece. I don't use that word very... That's the that's the word that I'll kind of hold out on yeah. film criticism. Um, that This is a masterpiece. I think it's the best movie of, of the decade, and, and well, maybe the... Maybe the best movie I've ever seen in a theater. So better, wow, better than Chicago. Uh, just barely. Okay. I mean, it's the forty seventh. All that jazz that really that kind of pushed it down a half a notch for totally me. You know, the first forty six totally. Ends, <laughs> yeah, you're but, all in. Uh, yeah. yeah. How about you, Richard? I go white blast. I mean, you can't. What else is there to say? about mm-hmm. that's this one's actually kind of hard for me to review because it's yeah, yeah. All it is is me, me essentially going. Remember that part? That was awesome. Right. This was awesome. Right. This was so cool, but it's, yeah, and it's it's uh, as three uh, native Texans. It's always cool to like um, see your state represented well because yeah, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that's like really hokey Texan, and right. this is actually like kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um the also the harshness of the environment yeah. kind of because yeah. in West Texas it's 115 in the day and 50 <laughs> degrees at night. Like it's the desert, and then there's rattlesnakes and mm-hmm. yeah. drug deals and things happening. It really does reflect that uh, this time well. Very much. It's very ambiguously a period piece, too. Yeah. Like, it's in the 80s, 1980, but you, it's never really in your face about it. It's very Mm -hmm. subtly set in 1980, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, I I gave it an A+. I think I I said that. Triple A+. Very rare on this show for us to go all A-pluses. Agreed. We will be talking about Raising Arizona here in the next week or two. Yeah. So I'm excited. Look forward to that. It's Cohen yeah. Cohen talk. Cone. We need to do Lebowski. Yes, we've we never do. done. We really do. Yeah, surprisingly. We do Lebowski. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Awesome. We're gonna, enjoyed it, guys. We're gonna find you on line Brian. You can find me on the Twitter, Bgill twelve. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com dot com and the Mad About Movies newsletter. Richard, that's where can my find you? my favorite newsletter is that newsletter. Good. By the way. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I you can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Kent, where can I find you? On the Twitter. Kent Garrison online on iTunes and that about movies hit subscribe thank our sponsors take advantage of all that stuff yeah and uh, we will see you next time at the cinema bye Football. hey baby I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs and maybe I seem a bit confused yeah maybe but I've got you pegged <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled again scrambled eggs all over my face they're making me ya ya the salads and scrambled eggs they're calling again 